Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Black and White Podcast. It's been a while. It's been a week. Uh, again, you know, we don't have a whole lot. You know, we're watching a little bit about the Tokyo Olympics. Soccer is coming back in a couple of weeks. You know, the NBA offseason's uh, in full effect with quite a few trades and maybe things we'll talk about uh, in the, you know, in the upcoming weeks as well as we, you know, we lead up to the NBA, uh, the actual season, the summer league and all that. Uh, but today's kind of a special day. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit of filler here. Uh, so if you ever watched, for example, anime, that's sort of what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing some filler episodes. And this is just one sort of uh, segment that we're going to be doing uh, as a as a collective, uh, as a group. So um, without further ado, I mean, you've, you've read the title. You've already seen the title. So you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about redrafts. Uh, and what we're going to do is uh, compare those redrafts as well. So we're going to be talking about uh, 1984. We're going blast from the past, uh, as well as the 1985 draft. Both very interesting drafts uh, that I didn't know. So really interested in that. Uh, what Luke is going to do is he's going to actually explain a little bit about how we're going to how we're going to go about doing that. Uh, he has specific metrics he used, so we're going to go with those metrics. Try to keep consistent as possible. Um, so without further ado, Luke, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how we're going to go about talking about these particular drafts and how we're going to compete against them. Well, since we're the experts of the basketball community, you know, you know we're <laughs> going to use our minds and we're going to be able to uh, demonstrate, flex our brains, if you will. But we're going to be looking at the top 10. We're basically going to be redrafting the top 10 players from 84 and 85. And once that's done, we're going to try and see if we can determine which team will win if they played each other. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of subjectivity to this, but you know things like accolades, career length, uh, career stats. You know, if certain players maybe had a really good couple seasons, you know, we always give recognition to those. Um, but obviously, those are impacted by longevity as well. So, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see because I think. You know, as casual or if you're a really intense fan, you could probably pick the top four or five in each of these drafts. But what about six or ten? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's where I think we'll probably generate a lot more conversation. Um, it's really hard, for example, to like put a Hall of Famer. That'd be very controversial to put a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, below an, another player like that. So I think, like you said, you know, top four, top five, pretty clear. Uh, but we'll get into some very engaging conversation uh, as well with that. So thank you so much, Luke. So let's get into it. Let's talk about 1984. Um, this is a very, this is probably one of the greatest drafts in, in history because, again, we have one of, if not the greatest NBA player in history in this draft. Uh, and what's even more shocking as we do with the redraft uh, is that he didn't actually go first in this draft. So without further ado, we're talking about Michael Jordan here. He didn't actually go first in this draft. So the, imagine you know, the greatest player in NBA history doesn't go first in his own draft. Um, so that's going to be interesting to talk about when we get into the redraft. We have a couple other players that we'll, we will be talking about as well. Uh, but I think we might as well start right away. Um, Michael yeah. Jordan, number one. Uh, Houston takes Michael Jordan at number one in this draft. Yeah, well, I mean, the the reality of it is, you know, you say it with such uh, authority, but, you know, you might not be wrong if you pick Hakeem uh, Olajuwon mm-hmm. necessarily. But yeah, in this case, I think Michael Jordan goes number one. Um, Hall of Famer, six-time NBA champion, six-time finals MVP, five-time NBA MVP. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. 
I didn't have enough space in my Excel sheet to actually write down <laughs> all his accolades. Um, you know, so the when we, when we look at these redrafts, it's it's kind of interesting. I heat mapped all my stats, and uh, Michael Jordan is quite green, meaning good, in comparison to at least the top ten in his particular redraft. Um, second overall, I think Hakeem Olajuwon is an obvious choice. Uh, so again, Rockets, they did all right. They picked the second best player in a draft. It wasn't a uh, a flub per se. Say, for example, taking Anthony Bennett, number one, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you know, Ow, ouch. Nothing like, nothing like that. But uh, number three, Charles Barkley. What do you think about that? Yeah, I have to agree with that. Also with Hakeem Olajuwon, I mean, don't forget. I mean, for me personally, uh, you know, most people would be like, damn it, you know, we can get the greatest player of all time on our team. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with Hakeem Olajuwon being probably, for me at least, the second greatest player in that era, uh, winning the two trips when Jordan wasn't there. Um, he's clearly number two for me as well. So I have to give a shout out to, you know, my favorite center and one of my favorite players of all time. Number three, pretty straightforward. I think, uh, uh, I mean, Phoenix realistically got it right. They uh, they killed it. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he went to, no, 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 he didn't go to Phoenix, did he? Yeah, he went to Phoenix. That's his only team, yeah, right? Yeah, it was well, his first team. It was only team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went fifth. He went fifth. Right. Yeah. So Phoenix. So we can talk a little bit more about that too as well. So Phoenix absolutely killed it by getting Charles Barkley here, Hall of Famer. Uh, this is a pick that the Chicago Bulls would have taken in a redraft, just based off of ability. Oh. So, um, sorry, what were you gonna say? Well, you, you say Phoenix. Like I, I appreciate the support, but unfortunately, it was Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, I'm such an idiot. Sorry. He's. I'm looking at these uh, these stats or like these pictures, and he has a Suns jersey on. Uh, that's probably when he was at his peak. Uh, but yeah, Philly yeah. Philly takes him at number five. Uh, but yeah, the Bulls would normally take him at number three here. So they, um, they screwed up in the trade. <laughs> yes, Philly yeah. definitely did. Philly definitely. He, I think he tried to eat his way out of Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at some point, sure. he just didn't want to play there anymore, or something like that. Sure, he ate a lot of things. <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, no, no question here. Uh, Barkley being the you know uh, uh, regular season MVP in ninety two, ninety three, makes it to the finals. Unfortunately, uh, loses to again the greatest player of all time. Uh, so that's nothing to be ashamed of, Charles Barkley. Uh, you are a clear number three pick. What are your thoughts on Charles Barkley yourself? There. Yeah, same thing. I mean, he's the. Uh, MVP, one of those seasons, took it away from Jordan, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, in, your, in our top three, you got three MVPs. Uh, I don't think anyone else in this draft class is an MVP after that. Um, mm-hmm. John Stockton's probably your next closest person. He never was an MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it is fair. Maybe that's not the only metric that we used, but, right. you know, to go, you know, five-time MVP, one-time MVP, one-time MVP, it's not a bad one, two, three. The other interesting thing with this class is that, you know, they weren't too off, you know, mm-hmm. besides third Sambui. overall, uh, but third overall, first overall, fifth overall, at least for top three. Assembly, you know, that's a little bit embarrassing, but we won't talk about that too much. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, Portland is a cursed team. Uh, and we'll talk, we'll probably talk about them more when we talk about all these redrafts <laughs> about which players they could have had and how many times they screwed up. So we don't need to Oden. talk too much about Portland. <laughs> yeah, Greg Oden. Kevin Durant missed, you know, missed pick there. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then shout out to Barkley as well. I got to give love to Barkley because I, me personally, I mean, you don't, I, this is one of the things we don't see eye to eye on, but I think he's one of the greatest. When we talk about entertainment, you can't argue with that. I think he's one of the greatest entertainers on TV 
uh, sports, even though, you know, I do agree. He's pretty embarrassing for an actual analysis, you know, analysis guy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, great entertainer, uh, great personality. He says it how it is. You know, sometimes he says things that are controversial, but most times I do agree with, you know, how he says it. And uh, he's not afraid to say certain things. So I, I do love him just personally. Uh, that's that, that's just my thoughts on Barkley there. Authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with the fourth pick, I think that John Stockton is next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. This is this is the, this is the first screw up I would say in this draft going to 16 originally. Right. Um, so you know, screw up in quotations, of course. You know, still first rounder, 16th overall. But um, I think he's the first guy to average a double. No, I lied. Akeem Olajuwon averaged a double double. So did mm-hmm. Barkley. But mm-hmm. uh, ironically, Jordan did not. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Remember, uh, this guy's a LeBron fan, so anytime he gets a shot at Jordan, <laughs> he's gonna do it. But you know, thirteen and ten for assists—that's quite quite uh, admirable, and it was important for that Utah Jazz team moving, you know, all those years after they got alone in the next draft. Right. Um, but you know, Dallas getting uh, stopped in at four. Imagine what their team could have been like if that had happened. Yeah, but going exactly. In, going into these next little picks, like five through ten, I think it probably is a toss-up. I mean, for me, it was you know a lot of it is these guys all have very similar career stats. You know, which one ended up having the better longevity, too as well. Longevity, but also the uh, better season stats, like you know one or two seasons where they absolutely exploded. Right, and that's sort of that's sort of why I have Alvin Robertson at five. Okay. Okay. He's one of four guys, I believe, that had a quadruple double. He's the only guard ever to have a quadruple double in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, solid stats. MB- he uh, was a defensive player of the year, most improved player of the year, two time all defensive first team, four time all star. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, his career was shorter than the rest, mm-hmm. but I think he had more impact within those you know, 14, 13 years. Yeah, no, I'm completely in agreement. I'm very highly decorated. I'm just going through uh, some Bleacher Report stuff. So I'm I'm scrolling down a little bit to find him. Uh, so yeah, he he for Bleacher Report, just for the sake of officiality here, uh, he went he ended up going eighth in that uh, uh, in their picks. But I'm I'm in complete agreement with your uh, criteria as well. I would if I were to take a player in terms of you know decent longevity versus a guy that uh, peaks quite a bit, and this is not just like a guy that like you know, slowly peak. Like those are some crazy accomplishments. As you said, you know, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest defensive players made six NBA uh, defensive, all defensive teams. He was even the defensive player of the year. Um, And like you said, uh, you know, uh, he's done a quadruple double. So um, I'm in complete agreement there uh, uh, with your guys. I'm really curious to see what other guys you had sort of uh, hovering around uh, as well. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I'm, I'm in agreement with Alvin, uh, uh, Alvin being there. And I mean, that's, you know, it wasn't done on purpose, but that's mm-hmm. actually a pretty balanced uh, starting five. If you want to think about the competition later. As a team team. Yeah. Like that wasn't done on purpose, but it sort of fit well. But uh, uh, for six, I had Otis Thorpe. Okay. For one time in uh, NBA champion, one time all-star uh, had a couple good years, had career averages of 14 and eight, uh, you know, so nothing like jumping off the page at you, 2.2 blocks a game. But, you know, he did the job. And like I said, like these 5 through 10, 6 through 10 type players, it's all, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to find 10 Hall of Famers in an NBA draft. 
is the reality of it, right? So mm-hmm. that's why, uh, you know, Otis Thorpe may, doesn't sound sexy necessarily, but, you know, my next guy at seven is even less sexier. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Wilson. Willis. Kevin Willis, yeah. Kevin He's Willis. Absolute vet of the game. I think he played, I don't know, he played like 22 years. I think he was 44 when he retired. Here's an interesting here's an interesting stat. He played his he began his career uh, uh playing against Kareem Abdul Jabbar and he finished it with Lamarcus Aldridge defending Lamarcus Aldridge. That's quite the career if you if you ask me. So yeah, I don't know if that's like it's akin to like I just got my 12th year anniversary from Twitter saying I was on I've been on Twitter for 12 years. Uh no, nice. I don't know. If that, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I've been around too long, or who knows? <laughs> but maybe that's what Kevin Welsh feels like at 44 playing against the Marcus Aldridge. Yeah, he's yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, uh, definitely, uh, definitely. Like we said, we're starting to shake down like this draft class. We're talking a little bit more about longevity than really achievements and how long guys been able to do it. So I'm in complete agreement again. I think Kevin Willis uh, deserves to be uh, definitely in the top ten at least. Uh, who's your next guy, Luke? Uh, at eight, I have Sam Perkins. Yeah. This this is really the lone guy who sort of plummeted a little bit. Um, obviously, you got guys like uh, Sam Bowie who aren't, who aren't even on the list, but mm-hmm. you know he sort of stayed within the top ten, but sort of dropped a little bit. Um, had had a solid couple of years to start with, all all rookie first team, uh, but you know the the quality wasn't there for the long term in terms of at least being a superstar. Right. Uh, respectable career but just not good enough yeah no uh he actually had a very good apparently had a very good career at uh, north carolina uh for the four years that he was there but uh you know that's sort of the issue is sometimes these guys that play in the in college and you know outperform or do really well don't actually you know translate uh their game very well to the nba to the next level um and we'll probably talk again we'll talk about these sorts of things when we talk more about the redrafts uh, I'm looking at you, buddy, Christian Leitner. Um, so, guys like that. Yeah, well, I think it's, sometimes it's just not it's not transferable, and so, some people believe a skill is transferable, and some people don't. And right, you know, sometimes you just don't work on your game, and that's the problem. Yeah, not to say Sam Perkins is like that, but you know, it's unfortunate when you see that happen. Right. Um, I think we're on number nine here, buddy. Uh, we only got a yeah. couple more picks left here. So, number nine, who is your guy? I'm going uh, with pick here? Jerome Kersey. Yeah, he is the best small forward in Portland Trailblazer history, wow. according to some site. Interesting. Um, so you know that wasn't necessarily what swayed me a little bit, but it made me feel good that I actually picked him. So you know, again, one-time NBA champion. Yep. Uh, reasonable career stats, but I think it's just you know at this time it's you know you're gonna get an all-star, but you're not going to get some guy who's knocking down doors, winning the trophies. And that's sort of why uh, at 10, I have Michael Cage. Okay. Um, so no love for Sam Bowie. <laughs> no love for Sam Bowie. You know, they screwed up and, and I'm not going to make the same mistake. Um, yeah. But with uh, Michael Cage, you know, his, his career stats is like 7.7 rebounds. Doesn't sound too appetizing. But he had one or two seasons. He actually was the NBA rebounding leader um, one year. And the story right. goes that uh, he needed 28 rebounds to uh, to break the record or to, to lead mm-hmm. the NBA in rebounds. Mm-hmm. And some, someone actually posted that number on his uh, locker uh, right before the last game of the season, 28. 
and he said it motivated him. He actually got 30 rebounds that game. No way. Wow. That's crazy. And so, yeah. He's also, uh, he's, an, he's also an Ironman leader. And sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Like 746 games or something down the row. So yeah. Ridiculous. Seven, 736 straight games. So 89, April 21st to April 15th, 1998. 89 to 98. So that's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> so that's our, that's the 1984. Obviously, the starting five is quite balanced, but our, bench is very forward heavy so you know as we think about playing an 85 team then balance might be the determining factor mm-hmm. if you will 100 so uh let's talk about 1985 here uh this is the draft that we're going to be competing against 1984 versus 85 uh some interesting picks here as well uh, some interesting guys also came uh uh, uh through the mold here uh, so let's get into it again. You know, one through four or five might be relatively smooth in terms of who we end up picking. Uh, so there won't be too much debate about this. But again, we'll maybe uh, talk a little bit more, uh, you know, winding down, you know, the, the last half. Um, so let's get into it. I think, you know, we've talked a little bit backstage off uh, about who the number one pick here, who we take. And I think we both are in agreement. Although maybe a New York fan would probably disagree with us or maybe even just a casual fan who might know Patrick Ewan a little bit more, uh, but I think we're in agreement. Uh, and you can talk a little bit more about this. Carl Malone at number one uh, uh, is the right Carl Malone. Yes. I love me some Bell Utah jazz players. So uh, <laughs> biggest, biggest thing for me is if you pick Malone or Ewing, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, Malone's just a two-time MVP, 11-time All-Star, all-defensive, three times, uh, whereas Ewing was not as um decorated full with the full with the accolades yeah as decorated so you know i'm gonna go Carmelo malone on that you you say you agree so i appreciate the confidence <laughs> in my decisions um and this is the first misstep really in this draft you know Carmelo malone going on 13th yeah the utah, utah really snagging a, a solid one yeah at 13 they killed it um but you know in in number two spot allow the Knicks fans to feel better about themselves. Patrick Ewing goes number two. Yeah. And so not really a drop. Same thing as Akeem Lajuan, right? He went he went one, slid down to two in our redraft just because there was a better player, not because he was bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, so again, Patrick Ewing, with him, it's just the stats are there, but, you know, not as many accolades, not as decorate, 11-time All-Star, made the All-NBA first team only once. Right, because you imagine that there's Jordan, there's Akeem Olajuwon, yeah. there's Carmelo, all competing. You know, so for him, he he made the second uh, team quite often, I believe. But mm-hmm. you know, just for the sake of simplicity, Ali include first team in my uh, views. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he definitely wasn't the leader in a lot of his stats within his group. Uh, you know, fouls and turnovers and shooting percentages were often a bit lower at his position. Um, so, you know, unfortunately for him, he goes number two. Or maybe not so, unfortunately. I mean, who was even drafting number two in 85? Indiana? Right. Indi- Indiana gets a real one with Patrick Ewing. Right. You know, instead, so. of, instead of Wayman Tisdale. Wayman Tisdale is so bad at basketball, he became a better jazz player than, you know. Like jazz, jazz. Like we're talking music jazz, by the way, guys. <laughs> so Yeah, he actually he has CDs if you want to look them up on Spotify. Oh, snap. So I won't, I won't put in my redraft, but I'll give him a little tip to the hat there. 
well, here's a shameless plug, guys. So, yeah, enjoy that. Absolutely. I think uh, no doubt. I mean, you're not losing out too much on both of them. Um, a common theme here we're noticing as well is, you know, besides, again, Hakeem and Jordan uh, in their eras, you know, none of these guys really won, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, if you take imagine taking Michael Jordan out, um, these both of these guys could prob- probably would have uh, won a ring. Very possibly both been robbed by Jordan. Uh, uh, Jazz could have probably won too. That uh, I think they back to back ones too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the Bulls. Uh, and I think New York had made it to the finals at least once, if not twice. Then they played Houston uh, in one year, and I think they played the Bulls. No, they would they would have played the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but I think they've got there at least once or twice. Um, so just sort of unfortunate for both of these guys not to win chips. Uh, but it, again, it makes it easier, a bit easier to compare and uh, contrast as well. Um, so let's talk about numero three, my friend. Uh, what are your thoughts on numero three uh, uh, in terms of what player belongs in there? Nice. All right, so I think we have one and two pretty straightforward there. Uh, this is probably where it gets a little bit more interesting about who you sort of want to pick here at three and four. I think that's where the drop-off sort of happens. So what are your thoughts uh, on the number third pick? Who would you take at number three here, Luke, in a redraft? Yeah, so for three, I think uh, individual stats is what became important here. Uh, okay. Chris Mullen, Chris Mullen uh, you know, not very decorated compared to Joe Dumars. Uh, but his individual stats were far superior in many categories, especially in shooting regards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his uh, defense wasn't nearly uh, as bad as you might think, especially when you compare uh, a Joe Dumars, a defensive specialist. Uh, so that's why I say Chris Mullen goes three. Uh, you know, again, that, that shooting was really his bread and butter, but he wasn't nearly as bad of a defender as people make him out to be. Right. Uh, so he goes three, and that's why I say Joe Dumars goes four. Joe Dumars, again, another Hall of Famer. Top four are all Hall of Famers. But he yeah. actually won, won two NBA championships. Bad boy NBA Pistons. Finals, <laughs> NBA Finals MVP. Yeah. Four-time all-defensive first team. You know, So he's got the accolades. Um, but just his individual stats weren't, weren't nearly as impressive as uh, Mullen. But, you know, again, that's another one of those uh savior picks like seattle imagine if they had dumars at that time mm-hmm. instead of xavier mcdaniel right yeah and yeah that, that could have changed the franchise at that point um yeah i i'm going to disagree with you with this one uh i would if i were to draft i would actually take joe dumars over chris mullen uh i do get the individual stats you know if you're starting a franchise you probably want a guy that uh contributes much more uh but i think dumars being able to play uh, on both ends of the floor a lot better. You know, you said Chris Mullen. I mean, Chris Mullen athletically just couldn't handle anybody. Um, I would I would, I would, would actually take Joe, Joe Dumars. Um, and he's, like you said, way more decorated. Uh, people did not want to play against Joe Dumars. They did not. Like, a lot of players really dreaded uh, uh, having to go against him uh, on a night-to-night basis. So I'm taking Dumars at third, and I would probably put Mullen at number four there. Well, whoever just more steals <laughs> and blocks <laughs> for their entire career, Chris Mullen. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you know, 
my draft isn't what's more important, so that's okay, you know. <laughs> that's man. All right, then. Um, this is where I think the drop off is much more significant. I don't think any of these next guys are any Hall of Famers or super, uh, you know, uh, accomplished, but that's okay. I mean, they're still good players in their own right. So, uh, who did you have here at number five? I have the great German <laughs> Detlef Schrimpf, uh, two time six man a year, three time all star. Uh, you know, as you say, it sort of drops out at this point. Uh, so, you know, the cream of the crop is no longer present. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that uh, his um, individual stats sort of gives him the edge, I guess, because at this point, a lot of them have the same length of career, like maybe right. off by one one year. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think he just had that extra little bit i think he had a few more better individual seasons in themselves right and say you know oakley porter all those guys at the back end right uh, so you know I'm, I'm comfortable with that i'm comfortable with giving him a go mm-hmm. uh, you know for the sake of a starting balanced forward system here you know that's where it works out right. anyways but not that it was planned that way of course but and <laughs> um, no fair enough you know but that's that being said with the sixth one that's where I would put Terry Porter. And, you know, as I say, he's not as decorated, only a two-time all-star in, in comparison. Um, but he did have a few tremendously good uh, assist seasons, I believe, 10-plus assists, 18 points, I believe, one of the seasons. Um, you know, so his impact is far-reaching. Maybe not as sexy as a, a Detlef, but, you know, still a very impactful and very useful for the, uh, I think, I believe the Trailblazers had him for a little bit. And that, that's when they were really successful. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, the assists were the really big one for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I wouldn't disagree. Uh, I personally probably would have, I mean, either our goals, but I would have personally probably taken Charles Oakley. Um, triple-double, uh, average of triple-double, 86-87. 14 and 13, three assists, four assists. Uh, and he played pretty much all, virtually all games in there, uh, all defensive team multiple times. Uh, so, yeah, I think, again, when we talk about these guys, uh, I think it's a game of inches. But me personally, my personal taste is I love Charles Oakley. He's a guy definitely that I would love to have on a team. Uh, much more of an enforcer, a bruiser, guy that you want to have, you know, protecting your star player. Uh, not sure Terry Porter is going to be doing that for anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what you and I value a lot. I value a lot, a lot of offense. You value a lot of people uh, punching each other in the a... face. So, you know. <laughs> That's what they call defense in the 80s, though, man. Come on. Knocking yeah, well, I mean, to be, to be fair, to be fair, I have Oakley 7. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, you're not off by much. Right. right. But, you know. I feel I'm not off by that Oakley. much, eh? Yeah. But <laughs> Oakley, I mean, less than 10 points a game, you know, less than 10 rebounds a game as a career average. So, you know, that career average isn't as sexy as, say, uh, the the Porter, those couple of seasons of 18 and 10. But, yeah, fair uh, enough. you know, for me, that's why, you, you know, that's why this uh, section of the draft is a bit iffy at times because – you can justify why Porter is at six and why Porter might not even be on the list. Right. Sure. Um, so let's get into, know. let's get into eight, nine and 10. Cause uh, this is where it starts to get a little bit dark and yeah, 
So let's talk so a little is, bit about these three. This, this is where the real, the real scouts make their money. Yeah, so I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Michael Adams at eight. Uh, Michael Adams had some pretty superb few seasons. Um, but I believe, you know, I don't even know if many people know who Michael Adams is, but um, I'm just seeing if I can pull up his stats. He had one season of 26 and a half points and 10 and a half assists. Mm-hmm. And really to me, there was like a three or four year period where it was like 18 and six, 15 and six, 26 and 10, 18 and eight. Uh, you know, so that four year period when he was with the Nuggets was absolutely superb. And he didn't even get an all star nod when he was doing that. Yo, that's wild. He got an all star nod later in his career when he wasn't getting that. As, right. Like that's weren't there. And so, you know, to me, it's a little bit strange, but. You know, for me, that's why he's eight. Uh, just that four-year period where he was really super solid. Um, and as I said, he didn't even get an all-star nod in those years. He got the all-star mm-hmm. nod late, later in his career when he wasn't averaging as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nine, I'm going to go AC Green. Uh, and, you know, and AC Green, he sort of rode the coattails of those Lakers winning three NBA championships. You know, his impact on that team was was positive, uh, but he wasn't the star, so to speak. You know, uh, so that's why I say he's at nine versus, say, four or five. Um, but, you know, longevity as a career, and, and he was a solid person. Mm-hmm. I think there was, a, there was a story about him, uh, the character uh, of, like, this period of time when people are partying all the time. He was actually, apparently, he never partied. He purposely went to the hotel room and just stayed in the room and read books. Played some video games. <laughs> Oh, red books. Yeah, really, like, you know, solid standout guy, like right. kind of guy that you want to have as a glue person. And that's really what he did was he was that glue person for those Lakers teams right. that won the NBA championship for him. Um, and then as the 10th pick, this might be the most controversial pick I'll ever make in my career. Uh, I'm going to go with Xavier McDaniel at 10. Xavier um, McDaniel, okay. Uh, you know, because again, it's that premise of having some solid seasons, <clears throat> like his first four, five, six seasons, averaging twenty plus points, uh, eight rebounds. Um, the difference is that he shot below the league average and percentage-wise uh, often. Right. So he was volume, <clears throat> but you know, I can't pass up a 20, 20 point score especially at 10. Right. Uh, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to bank my NBA career on this choice, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to do it for a podcast. <laughs> That's fair enough. Risks must be taken. We'll just take a really quick break here. All right. So after consulting our teams, Heaven was able to speak to the 84 uh, draft class and organize Jordan and Olajuwon to work together. And I was able to, uh, you know, speak to my players and, you know, I had to let Detlef Shrimps and tell him that he's not actually going to be starting the game. <laughs> I'm actually going to have to take him and uh, put him on the bench as a sixth man because we all know that's his bread and butter and I'm going to pull in uh, Terry Porter to start for me. Uh, so good. just just, just for me, you know, just so we all know how talented my squad is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we got Ewing at the center, 
We got Malone at the power forward. We got Mullen at the small forward. We got Dumars at the shooting guard and Terry Porter at the point guard. Uh, you know, I got my my assists. I got my points. I got my shooting. I got my rebounds. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to defend the, the Hakeem Olajuwon's of the world, the Barclays, and I'm going to run circles around you. All right. Uh, that's sort of interesting, but uh, uh, I know the people – when they have their say or when people come up and talk to me and they listen to this podcast and they explain why the 84 is way more superior than 85. I'll tell them this um, shooting guard. Number one pick, of course, Michael Jordan. Uh, it's gotta be my shooting guard. Uh, greatest shooting guard of all time. Most decorated, you know, six for six championships, all that goodness. Hakeem Olajuwon being one of, if not the greatest center of all time, debatable. Uh, you can debate that all you want. Um, he's unstoppable. So neither of your Carl Malone or Patrick Ewan, those guys aren't stopping him. So the, I, I'm not worried about that. And on the back end, he's one of, you know, he's one hell of a defender there. Um, at the power forward, it's got to be Charles Barkley. Um, the mound round of rebound, right? He's a rebounder. He's top rebounder, top player. Uh, so he has to go as my power forward. Um, John Stockton, uh, all-time assist leader, still the greatest assister. Um, perfect, perfect guy to have uh, on a team where you have Jordan and Hakeem and Barkley on is a guy that could care less about scoring, uh, but it's going to set up all those guys. Um, Charles Barkley could be the new mailman uh, if possible. So who knows? Um, this is where, so we have a shooting guard. See, this is where I can't really pick Kevin Willis as a shooting guard. Uh, not really interested in that. So if I go down a little bit, who would be my shooting guard? Again, quite a few big guys. Uh, so as I'm going down, doesn't really matter. Uh, maybe I throw in, hmm, maybe I throw in, uh, <laughs> who do I throw in as a small forward? Maybe, I don't know, you tell me, Otis Thorpe? Is he a shooting guard or a small forward? Sorry. Would it be a decent small forward? Hmm. I know he's uh, a power forward, small forward. We'll, we'll I, think you gotta go, I think you got to go three guards. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, think, I think you got to go throw, throw Alvin Robertson in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alvin Robinson, uh, another guy that can, you know, defend as well. Um, so uh, pretty solid lineup. Again, uh, John Stockton, Jordan, Alvin Robinson, Charles Barkley, and Hakeem Olajuwon. I really like uh, – I, I mean, I like both teams, if I'm being honest. I love how they match up. I think that would be an interesting matchup. I don't think it would be uh, clear and obvious, but I do believe that the 84 team is better. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, really what it comes down to ultimately is obviously we can't play it out and see what happens, but right. it's it's about balance and it's about matchups. And I really think the 84 team is not balanced. Uh, the bench has a lot, a lot, a lot of centers. <laughs> right? Yeah, it can't like be helped. Thorpe, Willis, Perkins, Case are all like forward centers, but yeah, still a lot of centers. Um, and, you know, I just think that um, with the 85 team, it's, it's a bit more balanced. Like, I have a 20-point score coming off the bench as my 10th man. Right. I have, I have Michael Adams, who was scoring 20, 20-something points off the bench. I have Oakley, who's willing to punch the, your face out when he comes off the bench. <laughs> um, you know? So the, people say 84 is the best draft class, but... You know, they look at it. They look at it as names on paper. They don't look at it as an actual team. And I think that's the, mm-hmm. the fun part of this. Right. Is looking at looking at it as a team on paper. 
Right. Uh, Ewing, Malone, Mullen, they all sort of fit together. Your disadvantage is you're going to be small in the guard. Like Michael Jordan, really, you're your small forward at this point. And if I, if I put Dumars on you, I'm going to nullify you a little bit. You know, maybe he doesn't drop 30. He drops 25, 22. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that, but. I love Dumars and you, you love him too. So <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> yep. But I really think, and maybe this is like controversial, uh, the matchup to watch is uh, Mullen versus Stockton. Uh, presumably <laughs> yeah fair enough those are probably two guys that would be guarding each other on uh, right. just based off of athleticism like i would put mullen on stockton and vice versa because unless you, you know, unless you put jordan on mullen i mean no. which is possible but yeah, yeah maybe dumars wasn't a great scorer so i mean uh i would have to have yeah i would probably have a you know a solid defender at the guard position there i mean mullen's a great scorer so you have to defend that that or Alvin Robinson. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, the, it's hard to prove it, but I really like the balance of the 85. I think on paper, 84 is better, but on actual basketball court, the the, the spacing will be right. important because where does Jordan want to go? Where does Jordan want to go? Mid-range. Where does Elijah want to go? He wants to do his little dream shakes. You know, where does Barkley want to go? Where does Stockton want to go? They all want to go to the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cohesion yeah. is a definitely a big thing but it'd definitely be interesting to watch i mean we've seen these guys on the usa team as well that's only that's yeah. only the, that's the best metric that we can really use in terms of cohesion but that again usa is not the greatest uh that's also not a great metric at the same time to contradict myself so um it's only uh it's only maybe we can do it in 2k in one day maybe uh, <laughs> but what what we can do is uh uh, leave the people, let the people vote what they think. So give me your thoughts on what you think is a better draft class or what uh, is the better starting five or team in general uh, for this as well. So I think what we'll do is we'll leave it off there. We've been uh, talking for quite a while about this, but I think uh, this was very enlightening. And I think this is something that we're going to continue to do. Uh, so stay tuned for a little bit more of the eighties. We'll get into the nineties, the early thousands, uh, 2010, all those, all that good stuff uh, very soon. So take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. And we'll see you soon on the Black and White Podcast. Peace.